This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 538 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Surefoot Equine Stability Program. On this week's episode, we are going to interview USDF Junior Volunteer of the Year, Ruby Tevis, and then Wendy Murdoch talks to us all the way from Australia. We are also going to get to a listener question for the trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> I hope everyone, this will come out a little bit after Halloween, but I hope everyone had a great one. We, we are not doing anything because we are working, but I hope everyone else is having fun. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately here it's really windy, rainy, and kind of <laughs> cold, so I'm feeling terrible. <laughs> it's the little the same kiddos and, and their parents, especially. Walking well, do they, do, okay, so this may be the difference between Kentucky and Canada. Ken, Kentucky changed, to our, which is actually good for me because I get to take my niece. But we're going on Saturday now, and the kids aren't going tonight because it, it really is disgusting outside. I'm glad they changed it. What do you mean you change it? You can't yeah, change Halloween. I know. It's on the 31st. You know what, Phil? <laughs> when I was a kid, they never changed it, but they changed change it now. It. What yeah, if some people get the memo and some people don't get the memo? Well, I'm just saying, is not happening in our counties tonight. Yeah, it changed. <laughs> I know that. I remember my poor dad like taking us out, and of course, my mom, you know, gave I've, out I've the candy. I've in the so. snow before. Oh yeah, we did too. My dad yeah. would, I would load us up in the, in the car, and took us around with another dad. I, rem- I distinctly remember yeah. this: a minivan and my dad opening the door, and we would run out, run back, run out, <laughs> run back. Yeah. Oh, I remember, but not anymore. Nope, not in Kentucky how, at how, least. How are the kids going to learn to buck up and? I'm with you, sir. Work for it, or you know. But as as know. a Anyways. as a uh, a parental figure, because my sister doesn't like Halloween, so I usually take the kids out. As right. the parental figure in this particular operation, oh, I it's good for thrilled. you. Yeah, I mean, it works. It works out for you for you in, in a for good me way, personally. So. It was quite good. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, happy Halloween, happy Halloween today, everybody. We hope you're having a good time, and and all the kids are having lots of fun. So I love I love Halloween. I had a unicorn headband on all day just saying (laughs) so (laughs) so phil you last week we talked to you you were just getting organized to ride in the robert dover dressage canada symposium how did it go i had a wonderful time yeah no it was it was really good i had not had a chance i've seen robert teach a little bit here and there but not in sort of this type of symposium format and i thought that he did a really awesome job at at teaching a, a clinic a symposium that was really 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 beneficial to the uh, to the auditors mm-hmm. you know i i feel like sometimes and i you know do this too you you you, you do you go you teach a clinic and you know you have some auditors some, some people who are watching but you're really just sort of teaching a lesson to the person who who is is riding right you have some sure. specific issues 
that you want to work through, uh, that the writer wants to work through, and you know some things. But I thought this was really a well-organized way of doing something that that would maximize learning for everybody that was, you know, sitting there. You know, obviously the the writers are going to get something out of it because he was teaching, you know, to the issues. But there really ran an overall theme of of what he was really trying to get across to everybody there. You know, he started with like a 45-minute discussion about what is dressage, you know, what are we trying to do, here are some basic principles, and then the lessons ran with the theme of these basic principles being explained, demonstrated, you know, kind of the common problems. This is, you know, he's like, Phil, this is your common problem, you know, this is how we're going to work through it, and, and really talking to the auditors a, a lot more than the writers. So I thought that was that that was a great way to do it. And it was organized by Equine Canada as you know, Equestrian Canada as as I said before. So I think everybody really benefited from this uh, symposium over the over the day. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, some great some great comments. Robert Dover, if, if you've not seen him teach or anything, this is a, like just a super positive, passionate enthusiastic person who who loves the sport and who you know loves horses obviously and loves to help riders and that came across in, in a big way and and I think at, at the end of the day everybody was really feeling charged up and and took home a little knowledge that they're going to they're going to you know go to their horse the next day or or you know and and really have some positive things to work on and a little bit better understanding of, of what they want to do and what you want to accomplish in your lessons. And, and it was, it was great, you know, riders all the way from training level to Grand Prix. Fantastic. I was, I was stuck there in the middle at, at you know, third level, which is, which is great. I, I love third level. It's a fun, it's a fun uh, part of the horse's education, teaching some, some cool tricks and, and also hammering down on, on the principles that you've already built up to that point and making sure that they're getting better and, and uh, the horses are going awesome. So yeah, a great I, agree. I think third level is sort of that, that level where you kind of do some interesting things like their horses will learn most of what they'll have to learn for the, the rest of their career. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's yeah. a fun level. So good. I yep. am so glad. Fantastic. Well, I knew you would be fantastic and I'm glad uh, you're riding really uh, tell us about real quick about your horse again. His name is Dechimo or Mo, and he I've had him since he was four. He's six. He's just finishing his six-year-old year. This year he did a little mixture of the FEI six-year-old test and third level. Just getting a lot of experience. He uh, at the beginning of the year he didn't know a flying change. And you know, taught him this year, develop it into a test, and he actually has done fantastic, scoring in the 70s and like 75 in the six-year-old test. 60, you know, 69 to 71 in the in the uh, third level test. So I just couldn't be happier with how this horse is is, is going and developing. So and just as a shout out, his sire is Dannenbrog, who now stands in Canada. So oh, very cool, very you know, cool. If you want want to breed breed a, a great horse? I think there's a lot of really nice available stallions in in North America all over that that you don't necessarily have to go to frozen semen and you know. And risking the chance of an, not not getting a pregnancy on, on spending a lot of money in it. So yeah, there's lots of yeah, lots of opportunities. So it's a great horse, great breeding, great bloodlines. Ah, super, super cool. Well, very good. Congratulations. Yes, well, Phil, 
we have a great show coming up. And we're going to start with Ruby Tevis. You're going to love her. She was just USDF Junior Volunteer of the Year. And we hope you enjoy her interview. Well, I am really excited this evening to have Ruby Tevis on the line. She is the USDF Volunteer, Youth Volunteer of the Year. Ruby, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We are very happy to have you. And you are also one of USDF's newest silver medalists, right? Yes, I am. It's been quite an adventure, but I'm glad to finally have achieved it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your adventure to get to your silver medal. So I'm a 19-year-old young rider from Lexington, Kentucky. Currently, I'm a sophomore at Midway University, which is in Midway, Kentucky, just outside of Versailles. I've been riding dressage for about five years. I started riding horses when I was a little young, five, six years old, you know, just the basics. And, you know, I enjoyed it, but I don't know. Everyone else got to jump and I wasn't really catching on to it that well. So I took a break. (laughs) And then when I was about 11, I started saddle seat lessons and I really fell in love with the saddlebred horses and I was having a lot of fun with it. But my mom said one day, you know, you're not really learning how to ride. You're just, you know, going around in circles. (laughs) You know, the lesson horses were so well trained and they were following each other around you know, just the way they're supposed to do. And I, you know, I thought I knew how to ride, but I didn't really know how to ride. So so when I was 14, my mom found a Arabian pony available for lease. And he introduced me to dressage. I didn't really know what dressage was, but that's just what he happened to be trained in. And I was just excited about, you know, having a horse for the first time, getting to go out and take care of him and feed him and groom him. And I didn't even know how to put on a bridle before I started leasing him. And that led one thing to another. I started riding more dressage and I learned how to do leg yields and all this fun stuff. And it just, it stole my heart. So I went on, moved on from him and kind of went from horse to horse to horse. And now I'm a working student for Linda Strine, and I have had the amazing opportunity to lease her Grand Prix horse um, owned by Paul and Vicki Short out of West Virginia. And he's a 19-year-old Frisian. He's got a lot of energy, and they decided that it wasn't time for him to slow down yet. So (laughs) I've been able to ride him this year and learn the ropes of the upper levels. We came out at third level, and see this past show, about Two weekends ago, I think, we did our first FEI debut, and I am now a silver medalist. Oh, I love it. That's such a cool (laughs) story. I love it. And you're also in college, right? Full-time? Full-time student. I also ride on the IHSA Western team. Uh, Last year, I I started it because it was the closest thing to dressage, and it didn't involve leaving the ground for any kind of jumps. (laughs) Yeah. So I said, hey, Mm -hmm. let's try it. So started and, and I was put in the advanced division. I made it all the way to semifinals in Utah and I pointed up and now I'm an open rider and I'm learning the ropes of reining and I'll be doing reining pretty soon here next semester. That is so cool. So what is it like to sort of balance riding and the team with school full time? Oh, what's it like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a lot of anxiety and stress a lot of the time, but it is so rewarding it's a lot of early mornings. It's a lot of late nights. It's, 
Yeah, I just broke my 4.0. I had a 4.0 until last week. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. That was oh, pretty good, shoot. though. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, we made it a year and a half. It's pretty good. But, you know, it, you got to set set the standards high and try to live up to them. And it's a lot of balance. And But I have a great support system. I have my wonderful mother and everyone at the barn and, and even friends from barns past that check in on me and, you know, I got to say, I'm not the party type. I really don't have a lot of friends my age. Um, a lot of my friends are retired. <laughs> um, but, but we have one thing in common. That's just that we love horses and we support each other. And I couldn't have asked for a better support system. That is fantastic. I love it. So tell us, you have won the USDF Youth Volunteer of the Year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about that award and some of the things that you did to achieve that award. So I, since I got in, involved with dressage, I became a part of the KDA and I'd always been volunteering here and there. And I, I really enjoyed, even before I was ever doing recognized shows, I enjoyed ring stewarding and score running and, and helping make shows possible for those who enjoyed them. And now that I get to do them, it's like, wow, look at all the work that they do to make these shows happen. And so with that passion in mind, I decided to take over the, the position on the board, the, the KDA junior young rider representative. The, the girl who had had the position had just moved to California from college and, and there was a vacancy. And so they sort of squished me in there <laughs> and, uh, and I took over and it's been an amazing experience. That was last October. It's been an amazing experience to sit on the board. I've gone to every meeting and, and learn about what it takes to make a GMO happen and make a GMO possible. And as, as we got through, you know, all the logistics of memberships and sponsorships and, and you know, all these things, I noticed a trend. And that trend was that there were little to no youth members. And I thought about myself as a youth member and, you know, because in dressage, you're a youth till you're 21. And I thought about, okay, so there's some, some youth members, but I don't know them. I don't know who these people are. You know, I see their names on the prize list of the shows or, uh, you know, the score sheet at shows, but I don't know who they are. I don't know their stories. So the first thing that I did was I reached out to the, the editor of our newsletter, the Impulsion newsletter, and I decided to start the Youth Salute. It's kind of a, a feature and every newsletter that talks about one or two young writers from our GMO um, and introduces them to the community. And I thought that this was a good way for me even to just reach out and interview people. And as an aspiring journalist, this is like, hey, more experience for me. But mainly, I just wanted to get their names out there because when I, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I couldn't really afford this. So I went door to door looking for opportunities and there's no guidebook for how to make it in this world. So I just thought maybe that would be one thing to help introduce these wonderful, talented, aspiring youth riders to the community. And so after that took off, Ellen Murphy and I, she's also on the board, um, put our heads together and decided to start a youth club. And the first thing we did was we got $200 from the KDA to do a pizza party at the spring warm-up show, which is in May. We didn't know how many people would show up, but we used those $200. We 
blasted all over social media. We put flyers up around the horse park. We ordered pizza. We got prizes and games. And we said, we're giving away free stuff and free pizza. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> the kids came. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was exciting. Between the kids and the parents, there were about 30 attendees, which absolutely exceeded our expectations. I would be happy with 10 people, but we got 30 people. So we did a little pitch about what the KDA was and what we were going to do with the youth club. We got six new members to sign up on the spot. So that was exciting. (laughs) That's so cool. And then, yeah, we came back in June for, you know, Summer Bird Dressage is a lovely ride-a-test program we have here in Lexington at Masterson Station Park. Um, And Judy Tudor and Julie Conkleton are two judges that work this this ride-a-test. We reached out to them and said, hey, can you like, can we come and, and you can talk to our kids about judging and the perspective from C and maybe we could practice judging a few tests. And that's exactly what we did. We brought free pizza for everybody again. Aww. <laughs> um, and, it's amazing what pizza does for any students. It's amazing what pizza does. <laughs> Just let's bribe them if anything. <laughs> um, but no, it was wonderful. It lasted about three hours and the young riders got to take notes and judge some training level tests. And, and it really opened their perspective, you know, to what really goes into a dressage test and, and especially reading, you know, the requirements and the collective marks and what's expected at, at each level. We had some kids, they said, you know, I've been riding training level for two, three, four years, but I never realized this is what it's really about. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that uh, it was really eye opening for them. And um, in August, Lilo Four is a frequent clinician with KDA. And so I reached out to Sheila Worth, who was managing her and and getting all of her accommodations for the clinic. And we said, hey, um, can we do a dinner? Because I know in years past that she's gone out to dinner with a couple of KDA members. I said, can we do a youth dinner with Lilo? And so we opened five spots for the kids to come and eat dinner intimately and in, in our own little room at the gray goose or I think it's called the goose and gander now in midway yeah yep and so we had five kids and and their parents so about 12 people total we all sat around this big table and she told us story after story and you know when we opened the spots for the dinner they were full within two hours we had a waiting list five or ten mm-hmm. deep to attend this and Lila was just wonderfully accommodating to the kids. She took so many questions. I think she talked more than she got to eat, but it was, it was really just, and we had kids come from Cincinnati, from Louisville, from Sadieville to come boys and girls, uh, age 10 to 20, you know, a lot of them dressage riders. We had one eventer and it was just a really good experience for all of them, you know, to be in such close proximity with the legend that is Lilo Four. We were really glad that we could open that up for her, for um, for the kids. Oh, I am so glad. I mean, what I, what I love hearing is that you just, you see an opening and you've been able to say, come on, let's do it and, and create events. Um, and I think I'm, I'm sure, and I may be speaking out of school, but you would be happy to talk to any other youth representative from a club because you've just taken, yeah, ideas. I mean, the show already exists, the clinic already exists, and you've made Mm -hmm. opportunities for junior riders. And I think it's, 
phenomenal because a lot of times clinicians or uh, local judges, everyone is happy to share their information. You just need someone to organize it. So you've done an amazing job doing that. We just had a clinic organizer open free auditing for the Yon Ebling Clinic that we had just to to the any youth member they wanted to see some young writers come on out and and enjoy and learn and you know you got to be able to just knock on doors you can't be afraid of opportunities and so at the last meeting we pitched an idea you know the KDA banquet's coming up the awards banquet we want kids to be involved you know it's not just about winning trophies and ribbons it's about supporting the dressage community and showing the board and the members that kids care about the future of the sport. So we were able to get dinner tickets at cost for just $25 for any youth member who'd like to come uh, and join our banquet as well. Fantastic. Well, Ruby, what is next for you and your riding career with, with the horse that you're leasing? With Bear? So gosh, he's just a wonderful horse. Next year, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. This past show at the KDA October show, we did our first debut at the FEI Young Rider Test. I know it doesn't qualify for anything yet, but we just wanted to get our feet wet. I surprised myself with a 67% on Saturday. I was like, holy moly, (laughs) you're meant to do this. And man, what a a dream it was to walk out in those those tails, the shad belly tail coat. (laughs) I sure felt like I belonged up there. And So next year, we'd like to campaign for the young riders and see uh, if we could make it to the NAYC. I don't know where it's going to be held, either that or participate in the Festival of Champions up at uh, Lamplight for um, the young rider division. Fantastic. Well, we wish you all the best of luck, and uh, we would love to keep in touch. And Ruby, if anybody wanted to reach out on how they could kind of involve youth members in their GMO, how can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me through the Kentucky Dressage Association website. Uh, There's a contact us page and my contact information is listed there. And another way that you can reach is the KDA Instagram page. It's just at Kentucky Dressage Association. I'm the manager of that page. If you just want to shoot me a DM. And I'm also on Facebook. It's just my name, Ruby Tevis. Feel free to reach out with me. I'd be happy to talk to you about youth memberships and GMOs and anything that that I can do to help you, I would be thrilled. Fantastic. Well, Ruby, thank you so much for your time tonight. And we are going to be your biggest fan going forward to Young Riders next year. Fingers and toes crossed for you. Fingers and toes crossed. Thank you so much. Well, Phil, I hope you enjoyed our discussion with Ruby. She was so cute and she does a great job. So we're, we're happy that she's in our area and uh, definitely a bright light for the future. We're going to come back with Wendy Murdoch right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get 
on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet. Microphase vitamin and mineral supplement is a low calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, today we are so excited to have Wendy Murdoch of the Murdoch Method back on the show, and she is in Australia. Wendy, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me again. <laughs> we are so happy to have you back. But tell us, what are you doing down under? It's so cool. Yeah, so um, so the Surefoot Equine Stability Program has really been taking off. And so I've been doing professional workshops and training professionals, physical therapists, massage therapists, farriers, trainers, how to use Surefoot in their practice so that we can help more horses. Because the bottom line is that Surefoot is, you know, really helpful for any kind of horse in any kind of discipline, and I can't get everywhere. So I'm working on developing a team, the Surefoot practitioners, and so I came down under, and I went to New Zealand, and I started at Equidays, which was uh, a three-day expo in Hamilton. And, I, you know, I haven't been to New Zealand since the 90s, and I was so amazed at the quality difference. Just, it was such a well-run show, and there were a lot of great people, and there was just really good interest in Surefoot, and just how enthusiastic everybody was. So I, I did Equidays, and then I came over here to Australia, and I went to Canberra, and I did a Surefoot pro- Professionals Workshop. And so what that is, is a two-day workshop to teach these professionals how to use Surefoot in their practice. And that way we get, you know, more horses being helped. And that's really what it's all about. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about the program for, for teaching people how to use it. You know, give, it, give us a little rundown of that. And then maybe you can tell us, you know, what are people's obstacles with, with you know, the most common obstacles with using the, the method? Because we've talked before Seems pretty straightforward, pretty simple. So uh, maybe you can give us a quick explanation all over again. Oh, yeah, sure. So if the biggest obstacle is that a lot of people ask is, what pad do I start with? And that's my number one question. And so I have a chart on my website, and I tell people, you know, if your horse is nervous or anxious at all, you start with hard. And if it's basically a calm horse, you start with firm. But, you know, it's so different and kind of like, you know, I'm coming up to you with this this pad and I'm going to put this pad underneath your horse's foot and the horse is going to relax and let down and move better. It's such an odd concept. And I, I admit it that a lot of people are just kind of not sure how to get started. And so the whole idea behind the practitioner program is that people who are already equine professionals, and that's a requirement, are trained to use the Surefoot program. And it's a two-day, the first workshop's a two-day workshop. And it just gets everybody started making sure my, my thing that I'm really concerned about is safe practices. So I teach everybody to keep one hand on your back when you're picking up the hoof. And that way your hand is never down by the hoof because if the horse is is unbalanced and you pick up the leg and he wiggles and needs to put his foot down, you don't want your hand anywhere near the ground in the hoof. So safe practices is the thing that I'm most concerned about to make sure that horses and people are safe. And then just going about the process of which pad to choose. And then even more importantly, to learn to observe the horse objectively. Like, I, what I'm realizing is that I have a very good eye, and I see lots of little things. And I think um, you might remember that when I was with your horses, 
that I pick up little eye blinks, lick and chew, head lowering, head shake, you know, little wiggles, balance changes, sternum movement, weight shifts. And so I'm observing all these things. And what I do when I watch a horse is I narrate that because I don't want to put a meaning to it necessarily. I just want to start increasing people's level of observation because quite frankly, if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so often when we start to observe and I get my practitioner to start saying out loud the observations, the client suddenly gets engaged and goes, I never noticed that. Or, oh, you know, like that foot is really under the middle of the horse and the shoulders passed. And maybe that's why my horse falls through the shoulder when I turn right. So I really think of it as educating people to be able to see what's going on and sure foot pads act like a magnifying glass so that it makes it a little more obvious but when we start to see these things we can start to understand you know why does my horse fill in the blank because so often i think people they they miss the subtle little things and then the horse escalates because he's losing balance and then they're they're trying to deal with the behavior that's a result of the loss of balance instead of catching it early on and like case in point, when I put a horse's foot on the pad, I think of a clock and 12 o'clock is toward the toe, six is toward the heel, three, nine. And you can start to see, oh, wow, this horse has a lot of weight at say 10 o'clock. And then maybe that's why that horse, you know, is stepping wide in his half pass instead of underneath himself. And so it starts to, to help people see what's going on, recognize what's going on. Hopefully that leads to a conversation with their farrier or their body worker or their vet in case there's something that needs to be addressed. But it just gets people more clear about what's going on. And then it's easier to address. So it's, you know, when people start to go, well, my horse is just, and I, I, I'm going to use this word, a butthead, you know, yeah. because he yeah. has a behavior. Yeah. Sure. And then people start treating him like a butthead because he's like tossing his head around or pushing over. And really what I find is most of those horses are out of balance. And when you address the balance issues, the behavior goes away. Mm -hmm. And now we're not dealing with that problem horse or labeling him or treating him in a way that's just reinforcing the behavior and not addressing the underlying. Yeah, I love the way you're saying that. And I think Phil and I would agree, you know, horses innately aren't jerks. Like they typically there's they're trying to communicate something. Maybe they're not very good communicators, but they're trying to communicate something. And so, and like you said, once you label them, then you get into trouble. And certainly I've had horses that have been difficult you know, for various reasons. But like you said, if you can really try to pick up the subtle cues on what's actually bothering them, uh, which is what the surefoot, uh, you know, the pads are really interesting. Uh, like I said, I use them on Big Mike. When we put my, uh, hello, my my more advanced horse, he's almost Grand Prix. He was able to to adjust to the pads with very minimal trouble, but that's not his issue. While my other horse has a lot of issue with, with change and proprioception and, and that type of thing. So, so I understand because I saw it happen. And then I, we brought another horse in that was quite shy and in, he communicates, he's really cautious and he's always like that. So, it, you know, that's, what's interesting. And, and like you said, being trained, so I, I understand completely why you're, you're, you're in Australia training professionals, yeah. how to use the pads, because it, there does need to be training in, in learning how to read the horses. And what are what are the most common, I guess, not, not faults, but most common things that you see that besides the safety, what do people not read when they see the pads or, oh, or they start using you know, the pads? So, so the other fascinating thing, and, and, I, and I don't blame, people want their horse to be good. 
it's like it's a reflection on them you know like pick up your foot pick up you know they're like it's like i'm like it's okay if he doesn't pick up his foot because as i'm picking up his foot and this is the other thing i teach people as i'm picking up the foot i'm feeling for is that foot light heavy does he tense the shoulder does he only lift at the fetlock does he pull the leg back does he push it forward because all of these things are going to show up in performance so if i pick up a foot and three times he snaps that leg back i know he's going to have a problem with extensions because you're going to get a little tension the muscles are going to contract and then he's not going to be able to reach and he'll probably fall on the shoulder so all the time i'm picking up that foot i'm reading like, how does this horse pick up his foot? Does it always step wide? Does he always have that hind foot counterbalancing when I pick up this front foot? Or more importantly, like when you pick up a back foot, how they have to prop a front foot out. And that's going to tell me a lot about their balance. And I, like I said, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but I do this with riders on as well, once I'm sure the horse is okay with the pads. But I'm reading all of this. And like, I had this horse in um, at Equidays, a lovely stallion, and he comes in and I pick up his foot twice. And I tell the owner, I said, I bet you have a problem with your left, you know, going left. And he looked at me like, how'd you know that? And I went over to the other side and I said, and I think you have a, he was a reigning horse. And I think you have a problem with your spins to the right. And he's, you know, he's like looking at me like, lady, this horse doesn't even have a saddle on. You've never seen him before. And how do you know all the problems I have with this horse? Because I can read it when I pick up a foot and I feel how the horse balances. And, and then I observe how he is on the pads. It, I feel like a detective in a way. And I'm, and I'm reading the horse by his balance, and I can tell the owner what's going on because I can see it in the balance. So people want their horse to be good, right? And they want them to stay on the pads. And that's the last thing I want. I want the horse to feel free to move off and not constrain him. Because if he can't stand on the pads, I know that there's a balance issue. And we did that with Big Mike. Remember? we, we yes. He stood on the pad, but he needed to move. And it's like, fine, let mm -hmm. him move. Because constraining him is just going to make him more anxious about his balance if he can't handle standing on the unstable surface. And then you just have to maybe downgrade and go to a harder surface to make it easier so we can figure it out. But all of those things, letting the horse walk off, letting him put his neck down, letting him turn his head while he's on the pads, because that's a huge balance shift to move the 40-pound head at the end of the three-foot lever arm while you're standing on it. So, you know, and what I do is, as you know, is I put people on the pads and I watch them and they start to sway and they, when they turn their head, they shift their balance. And I'm like, that's all the things that I'm looking for in your horse. And to see how he's dealing with the challenges of this moving surface, a controlled moving surface, the pads, as he moves his body and does he move it in a balanced way or does he turn his head and have to take a step? And then, of course, he's got to walk off. So, you know, I don't blame people for wanting the horses to be good because, you know, safety is a big deal. But in this situation with Surefoot, we're really giving the horse a voice. We're really giving him a choice. And that's the thing is let the horse show us what's going on with this balance. And then our job is to facilitate that. So. You know, that it's, but it, you know, it's really, it's really interesting to watch people because, oh, and riders, the hardest thing for them is to just put the reins down on the horse's withers when the horse is on the pads because they want to control it. They're, and whether it's because they're anxious or nervous or they want the horse to behave or what, whatever. But as the horse stands on the pads and you see all the changes that we see with your foot. I watch the riders and they all get softer. They all take a breath. They're all more willing to let the horse go on the buckle when he walks off so he can feel his feet on the ground with this experience. 
So it's like two for one when you do the rider on the horse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can see that for sure because you know, as a rider and especially as a professional rider, you feel like the horse underneath you is a reflection of of you know how you're riding or what you're doing, and and yeah, and you feel like it's the rider's job to to make sure the horse is balanced or to compensate for a lack of balance or you know, uh, and a lot of times people people think that that is good training but i th- i think this sort of returns to the idea that uh, a rider will set their horse up for success but in the end the horse has to do it the horse has to balance the horse has to carry themselves the horse has to develop the muscles necessary to to be in the right place at the right time because yes. if the rider is holding the horse up through contact or through leg aids or you know all the time the, the horse needs the rider to prevent the horse from making mistakes, then the horse isn't really learning or isn't really developing in the right way. You know, I always, you know, with Reese and I, we're training horses and we give them back to the owners or, you know, there's lots of, so, it, you know, my perfect horse is a horse that I can ride, but hand to 10 other people with different experience and that they can ride as well because the horse knows or the horse is strong enough and balanced enough to be able to do it with, you know, with minimal input from the rider. And I think you have to sort of lead your horses to the right answers and and then right. they have to understand it. I think the pads work in the same way. Yes. And, and it's just addressing the horse from the foot level where it meets the ground. And so, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, I had a, a John, no, it's Jan, Jan Trepto in um, Germany. I went and worked with this horse, he's a Grand Prix horse, and a lovely mare, beautiful mare, and he rides really beautifully, and, but he was always managing this little balance issue with the mare, and when we did Surefoot with his horse, his comment was, I no longer have to train, I just have to ride, and that was so fascinating to me because, you know, I mean, we all have little imbalances, you know, that's what, why people in all other sports that spend so much time cross training and doing balance work. And, you know, you look at gymnasts or anybody, tennis, golf, they're all working on their balance. And yet we, we need to address, help the horse address its balance for itself. And, and training is guiding the horse into a better balance. I totally agree. That's the point of it, not to hold the horse up. And sometimes, you know, if we address the horse's relationship to the ground specifically, as with Surefoot, then the horse has another understanding and it just makes everything easier because now he's got another sense of himself. Fantastic. Well, Wendy, it's such a cool program. And and can you uh, give us your website and how can our listeners find more information online? Because you've got a fantastic website. Right. So the website is murdochmethod.com. That's Murdoch with an H. and Or they can just put in surefootequine.com. And on my YouTube channel, Murdoch Method, I have lots of videos about Surefoot. And also on Facebook, I have the Surefoot Equine page. And I also have the fans of Surefoot page. And suddenly everybody's joining fans page because that's where I put you know, a little more in-depth stuff and people can interact and put up a case history or a horse that they worked with. And by the way, the the, the barefoot trimmers have suddenly discovered Surefoot and using um, what we call the half physio pad to make them horses more comfortable while they're working. And that makes everybody safer. And that was really the goal behind that. And I'm so excited. I worked with Ida Hammer and did a workshop for her people to see how it's now moving into that area of, you know, farrier we and trimming because you know, we want the horses to be 
to stand quietly. But if you're uncomfortable and the person has your leg up and you're not comfortable, you're going to move around. So if we can make the horse more comfortable, we make everybody safer. And that's really the goal with that particular pad. That is cool. I didn't even think about it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we hope you have a fantastic trip for the the rest in a safe travels home while you're down under. And we look forward to hearing many, many more fun adventures that you've been on. It sounds very cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. It's a pleasure (laughs) talking with you both. Well, Phil, you and I have been riding a lot, preparing for for big events. You just finished the Robert Dover Symposium, and I'm heading for the national championships next week. And we are sporting all our total saddle fit gear. And as you know, the Stability Stirrup Leathers are, I love them. And I'm working a lot of medium and extended trot and Big Mike, and I'm very, very thankful for them. I was happy to have the um, Stretch Tech Shoulder Relief Girth because... One of the things I was working with Robert on is uh, is uh, extended trot, and we were doing a lot of extended trot. And I need to know that my saddle is going to stay in the right place. I'm going to stay on. My legs are not going to flap with the the stirrup leathers, and and the girth is going to allow the horse to, you know, use the full expression of his shoulder as he's making these giant. This is a huge horse too. He's like seventeen two, almost seventeen three. So. He needs to really get that shoulder out there. You gotta and, move. Uh, I'm sure some people can sympathize with how how crazy and big and and awesome that 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 feeling can be when 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 it all comes together in the right way. Yeah, for sure. Well, very cool. Well, we are going to come back with our total saddle fit trainer tip. Uh, and this is a listener question. So we try to always get them. So keep the emails and Facebook shout outs coming because we will always have, uh, we'll grab the trainer tip and we'd love it. So we hope you enjoy this week's total saddle fit tip of the week. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, you have a great listener question for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. What do you got, sir? Well, this comes in via email, so I'll just get right into it. Sounds good. She got her gelding over a year ago. We're out of a pasture where it was lightly used for trail riding. It's a 19-year-old Hanoverian with good confirmation, and he's getting a new dressage life. This summer, they showed training level and did well with scores in the 70s. I think that's really well. Yeah, really uh, good. The comments from the judge were too heavy on the forehand, needs more lightness in the forehand, etc. I'm hoping to show first level next summer as I start to school lengthenings. It's clear that I'm going to have to improve his uphill balance. Any tips or exercises that you can recommend for developing uphill balance and impulsion early in the training process? Much appreciated, Greta. Okay. Well, I think this is a real common question, right? I I think, you know, we tackle this on a daily basis and, and there is a big jump between training level and first level, right? Training level, other requirement states, it's a level balance while first level, it's an uphill structure. So that's really important to know. Like that's the first time the horse does need to start to be a little bit uphill. Doesn't have to be uphill the whole time, but there has to be an uphill structure. So I'm dealing with this all the, uh, several times a day, actually. A lot of times it has to do with the horse's right? That they're learning the bridge from the hind leg uh, through the rider to the bit. And they're learning how to connect the hind leg to the bit. Uh, So a lot of times uh, 
especially because he's an older horse and he was out to pasture for a bit. So I can guarantee he's got a strength issue and that's very common, right? And and as you're kind of going back to the gym, it's normal for the horse and the rider to to say, oh my goodness, this is quite hard and the self-carriage is, is an issue. So a lot of things that really help this horse, and we've talked about this several times on the show, but keep those transitions going, right? And transitions where the horse is actually quite quick behind. We don't talk about and, and, and we don't know, but I have a feeling this guy is probably not our most active horse. So a lot of times horses that are kind of slow and on the forehand, right? They don't want to use their back and they don't want to use their hind legs. So one of the things that we need to do is strengthen those hind legs and get them more active. So a lot of transitions, but not just transitions like trot walk, obedient, but trot really active into the walk, right? And then a really active transition back to trot will really help. And so a lot of times we do this and we call it fancy feet or quick feet, right? That the horse comes back and they're quick behind and they make quicker, faster steps behind that help bring, shift the balance from the horse being on the forehand to bringing the hind leg back. Uh, Other things that can help are hill work. I'm blessed here in Kentucky. We have great hills. Treadmill work, right? The horse walking on a treadmill or going uphill will also help. Um, But it generally is the horse doesn't want to carry weight behind, uh, which is a very, very common issue. And um, a lot of that is just going to be strength. uh, Very similar to if you go to the gym and you were to do squats, uh, it takes a little bit. And I have a feeling that's kind of what's going on with this horse. Phil, what you got? Yeah, I think the other part of that is a little bit the connection between horse and rider and you know feeling the the rider has to drive the horse a little bit more forward especially if you're going for some lengthenings but also resist a little bit in the contact so the horse doesn't just get longer and and fall flat on their on their front legs so especially in the beginning you have to the rider has to support the horse's front end a little bit because they don't have the strength to do it themselves and you have to show them the way so be careful that in your forwards transitions from walk to trot or or from normal working trot into a lengthened trot that you don't just throw your hands forward and and hope you know hope that the horse gets lighter because you know they're going to you're not providing enough uphill structure for the horse to be able to push up right so there there's, there is going to be a little bit of a requirement for the rider to support the horse a little bit until they learn what you're asking for so part of it is just uh, you know bringing the horse more together. So not only are you riding the lengthenings in your in your um, daily riding, teach the horse first level, but you have to ride that a little bit the other way with the horse and teach them a little bit like introduction to some collection as well. That you can not only lengthen the horse from working trot, but you can shorten the horse from from working trot. Just you know just a little bit, and both of those things will help the horse to learn a little bit more of the difference as you start to work towards the extremes of how short can you make the horse how long can you make the horse and that takes contact and and that's a little bit what uh what the riders are missing at this level sometimes you know in these lessons that i teach you know day to day it's it's what everybody's working on what everybody's getting their horse to do to balance better yeah I mean, I think it's a very common problem. And I also feel like riders need to understand that this takes time. You know, this isn't something that just happens overnight. So I think that's really important to know, right? That it's not going to happen overnight. It's just kind of like if I were to really go to the gym, it doesn't happen overnight. So keep working at it. Really, truly keep working at it. It will come 
lots of transitions. Don't get frustrated. And we think it will really help. And you've got time because next summer, uh, we know you're going to rock it and get 70% at first level. So good luck. And thank you so much for sending us emails. We love questions. So keep them coming. As always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And as always, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And anybody that is at the national championship, please look me up. I would love to see you and say hi. Hi. 